Uh, when I was uh, growing up, I used to enjoy sitting and listening uh, to the adults talk. We would go over to my grandma's house usually once a week, and uh, my mom and and her, uh, my, well, my aunts and uncles, you know, her siblings. My mom was one of eight children, um, and you know they would they would get together and you know and they and they would talk and you know we'd gra- we'd gather at my grandparents' home in Pullman on the south side of uh, the city of Chicago. Uh, that was a home they grew up in, and to listen to their to their stories, I would hear about what was going on in their lives. I would hear about um, you know what was going on in the lives of some relatives that I had met along the way but didn't really know, and uh, I would also hear about uh, you know some people I didn't know at all. But I I, remember, I heard about cousin Stevie. Cousin Stevie was one of my mom's cousins. Um, he was. He still lived at home as an adult, but he was legally blind. That's why he still lived at home. It was kind of unusual at that time, uh, you know, that an adult would still be living at home. Now it's not. But um, they lived one street over, one street behind, well, I think of as behind my grandmother's house and down a few blocks. Uh, you know, so we, we would, I'd hear about him. I'd see him every once in a while. Um, I also heard about my uncle Frank and Aunt Kitty. They were the only ones who moved away from the from the city at that time. They, they moved up to Minnesota. My uncle Frank did went way overboard on Christmas decorations uh, to the point of he had uh, so many rows of lights on his house that he didn't take them down, uh, you know, during the summer just because it was too much work. And he won. They had a uh, contest in the, the uh, uh, suburb where he lived, and he would win the Christmas lighting contest every year. So they, after several years of that, they made him a judge so that somebody else uh, would, would be able to win, um, you know, which I thought was a, a good plan. I also heard about Phyllis. She was a cousin I never met. She died when she was two years old, which was a couple of years before I was actually born. I would hear about Kathleen and Tommy. They were other cousins. They were cousins of Uncle Frank and Aunt Kitty. And I, I don't believe I ever met them. They also had, Uncle Frank and Aunt Kitty also had adopted uh, another son who I only had heard about as Junior. I, I don't know what his, what his given, maybe his given name was Junior. I don't know. Uh, and then there were stories of so, some of the names I remember. My mom's cousins, Ed, Fred, and Ted Zawada. Uh, and I always found that kind of interesting. And now those stories took on a little bit of new meaning for me because as an adult, I worked with a fellow named John Zawada and Jim Zawada. And John and Jim were Ed and Fred's kids. And then when we moved to Riverdale, Ted lived in Riverdale and came over to see us. So yeah, there's all of these people that I had heard about. And I also heard about Joe Kajoka. Joe Kajoka was a kid who lived in my mom's neighborhood, and his name was Joseph Kajoka. So he, when they talked about him, they talked about Joe Kajoka. I don't remember anything else about him except his name, because how could you ever forget a, a, you know, a name like that, you know, Joe Kajoka? Uh, there was a story about my mom and my aunt, the one who was just, um, who was closest in age to my mom, when they were learning to ride bicycles. And as they were learning to ride bicycles, I guess there was this little hill that they were riding on, and uh, my mom got a little wobbly and crashed into a a gentleman who was there and didn't take too kindly to that. 
and he uh, apparently let my mom have it. You know, she was just a, a young girl, and um, you know, so he uh, yelled at her and things. And when the uh, when he was done and he he left uh, on his bicycle, you know. Um, when my aunt thought he was a safe distance away, she yelled at this guy and let him know what she thought of him. He turned around, and he came back, and he went up to her, and he says, what did you say? And my aunt very quickly pointed to my mother and said, I was talking to her. You know, and it was, it was that, you know, I, I remember them telling these, these stories. Uh, now, the adults knew that we were listening as kids, so when they would get to parts that, uh, we shouldn't hear, and they didn't want us to uh, know about. They would talk in Polish, um, and you know, if you haven't figured out by now, I am Polish. I'm half Polish, uh, you know. So you know, they would. But uh, what does all of this have to do with Colossians? You know, and as we're looking at Colossians and we're thinking about who we're going to follow, we're getting to the closing verses of Paul's letter, and in these closing verses, he begins to mention many people to the Colossians. And as he's mentioning these people to them, some of the people they would know and some they wouldn't know. Some they would have met, some they would never meet. They would only know by name and what was said about them. And as we go through these, some of these names are going to be familiar to you. And some of the names you will never have heard of. But here's the thing as I was reading this and studying this that that just kind of struck me. Every one of these people that are listed here, every single one of these people, God thought that the Colossians needed to hear about. He thought that they at least needed to hear their names. And God in his wisdom also knew that thousands of years later, we would be reading about these people also. That we would be hearing about these people as well. Let's pray and we're going to take a look at some of them. Father, thank you for those who have gone before us and done it in a way that has been marvelous and that we, we, we were able to look at and see and take joy in. And some whose name we might, only, we might only just see their name, but Father, to know that they were important to you, what a great thing, what a great reality. To know that even though some are unknown to others in this world, they're not unknown to you. That's amazing. Guide us as we look. This isn't just a history lesson at all. This is your word and your truth. And while it is historically true, Father, you have also put it there that we might be touched. That our spirit might be drawn closer to yours that we might be drawn deeper into this walk with you and into the realization of what a great, marvelous God you are. So help us with this, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. We're going to pick up at verse 7. As Every time I read through the end of this chapter, I think, well, we can get through this in a hurry. And as you see, we're not hurrying. Uh, but um, we'll hit a few verses today, and then I thought, well, we can finish the rest up next week. And then I read through those, and I told Kent, I said, we're not going to finish up the rest next week either. But anyway, we're going to begin in verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7 of Colossians, page 1086 in the Pew Bible. 
It says, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful servant, and fellow slave in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are, and so that he may encourage your hearts. He is with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Now look how, look how Tychicus is described there. A dearly loved brother, a faithful servant, and a fellow slave in the Lord. What a great description, really. Uh, you know, I, I was wondering how others might describe me. Some of it would be frightening because some of them would be justified in, in uh, uh, a not very flattering um, description of me. But I would, you know, to, to be known as, uh, you know, as a, a dearly loved brother, a faithful servant, and a fellow slave in the Lord, I would hope, I really, one of the things I would hope is that people would see that I do have a commitment to Christ. Well, Tychicus here, he was with Paul, um, and he sent him to, he sent them, him to uh, the Colossians. Now, we see... In Ephesians, uh, Tychicus, well, in Acts, we see where Paul, Tychicus was with Paul in Ephesus when there was a riot there. There was a riot in Ephesus, which was really directed at Paul. Paul was, uh, he was uh, preaching the gospel and he was telling people about Christ. And some people came to know Christ. So many, in fact, that um, Ephesus was a center of worship of the um, of the goddess Diana. Diana was a fertility god. They had they had temple prostitutes and all, everything that went along with that in that temple. And so in Ephesus, this was a big deal. This was a, a huge uh, a huge place and, and a huge focus. Well, when Paul started preaching the gospel, what do you know? People's lives changed, and they said, "Hey, we shouldn't be doing this." Uh, and they were right, you know. So th- then, what happened is the silversmiths and uh, those who you know did other metals, uh, they got ticked because their business went down. Instead of people buying, you know, the little uh, statues to put on their dashboard as they drove their chariots down the road, he, you know, they they weren't doing this anymore. Uh, and so their business fell off, and because their business, you touch somebody's wallet, and and you're going to see right away, you know, you, you're going to get their attention. So uh, their wallet was touched, and so they they started a riot against what Paul and these guys were, uh, you know, were preaching and sharing because it it hit their wallet. So uh, Tychicus accompanied Paul then as he made his escape out of. Ephesus and, and went through Macedonia. In Acts chapter 20, it says, When he, that's Paul, when Paul was about to set sail for Syria, a plot was devised against him by the Jews. So to kill him was a good their idea. So a decision was made to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater and by, by Phyrus uh, from Berea, Aristarchus and Sidonchus. You don't see many of these names anymore, do you? Uh, from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, and the three T's, Timothy and Tychicus and Trophimus from Asia. True, you, you see here, you know, Tychicus was willing to be involved. He didn't just sit back. Something needed to be done. Paul was being attacked. Paul needed to get out of the city, and he, he didn't sit there and wait for others to take care of things. What he did is he got up and he started doing something. 
Now, Paul also sent Tychicus later to Ephesus for the same reason he was sent to Colossae. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Now, Paul obviously trusted him. Uh, This would have been really kind of an, uh, it wouldn't have been a convenient thing. It would have been a little uncomfortable. He's going back to Ephesus. Ephesus was the place that we just read about in Acts where he helped Paul escape. Well, here he's sent back to Ephesus, you know, to the people there, uh, and to, to with the letter from Paul, because Paul could trust him and, and sent him there. Paul also planned to possibly send Tychicus to help Titus, as Titus was establishing churches in the Isle of Crete. Uh, there to Titus, he wrote, he said, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis, for I've decided to spend the winter there. You see, Tychicus was willing to get involved. He was willing to step up. It it seemed he didn't just sit back. He saw the need, and he stepped up to do something about it. Part of following God is stepping up and being involved with God's work. That is part of following God. If you think you're following God and you're not doing this, you may want to check and see you know, if you're really following God. Part of following God is stepping up and being involved in God's work. It was kind of encouraging to me, you know, to find out that there's an Easter ensemble. I didn't even know this thing was coming together, you know. And Ken says, yeah, there's 13, you know, people that said they'd do this. Well, that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, but every week while, while the service, while, you know, before the service was going on, there's four guys, five guys back there working on, getting a new computer installed and getting the, making sure that everything works and that the sound is working. And, you know, and, and so there's a lot, you know, just stepping up and getting involved in the Lord's work. You don't always see it, but it, you know, it always needs to be done. Now look at how Paul describes Tychicus. He says, a dearly loved brother. Uh, this, this is tied uh, to the word agapeo, which, you know, Agape, to love unselfishly, that, that giving love, that love that gives without any, any concern for return. It seems Paul valued this relationship so much that he, that Paul, was committed to Tychicus's good, this dearly loved brother. You know, he wanted, he wanted him to know, and, and, and a brother, you know, brother, because of that connection in Christ. You know, a brother is, because there's that connection with Christ there, and, and you know, that, that drawing, that, that commonality there, that, that draws them that draws them in. Yesterday I had to run up to uh, Menards to pick up some stuff, and while I was there, um, I was coming out with it, and, and it was windy and it was cold, and I had half a sheet of plywood there, so, you know, I'm trying to make sure it wasn't a kite, and... Um, and somebody, you know, a car came down and they kind of beeped. And I didn't know if they beeped because I was in the way, you know, or they were a jerk or they knew me or whatever. And I couldn't quite see in the car. So anyway, I'm, you know, they drove on by and I'm loading the stuff in the car. Well, along comes a, a guy that I know, uh, Stephen Lane. Some of you know Stephen. Kent knows Stephen. Uh, the, you know, um, Stephen Lane, he was a pastor in, in the uh, missionary church. Now he is 
working at headquarters and at our regional office. Uh, but he was there, and he came over, you know, and he helped me get this sheet of plywood in and stuff, and we were talking and visiting things. I would not have a connection with Stephen outside of, outside of Christ. You know, our, we were raised, he wasn't even, he was born, he has this funny accent. Was it England? Yeah, he doesn't talk the English language right. You know, <laughs> we are so ethnocentric. What a bunch of ignorant people. Anyway, um, the, yeah, so uh, I, I wouldn't have a relationship with Stephen. I just wouldn't. We're different. I mean, I think his accent's kind of cool, actually. You know, uh, those people who talk funny. Before we, when we were, when we were coming, when we were candidating to come here, um, there were several options, you know, open before us, and one of which didn't open, but I thought would be pretty cool, uh, is if we could have gone to Australia for a year, because that was the year Peter was learning to read, and so they would have taught him, they would have taught him how to pronounce these words like all those Aussie people down there, and we would have come back with this little guy with this accent. I thought, how cool would that be? Anyway. Uh, that has nothing to do with this. But the, uh, the, 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 I, this relationship with Stephen, you know, we stayed out there and talked a little bit, and, you know, and, it was not, and I, I genuinely like Stephen. You know, we have a, a relationship, uh, uh, and it wouldn't be there if it weren't for Christ. This is what he's saying when he says he's a dearly loved brother, that connection with Christ. I mean, look around. You know, how many of us would hang out together if it weren't for Christ? You know? Dearly loved brother. Faithful servant, he says. Someone who's shown themselves to be trustworthy and reliable. Faithful. It means a steady, dependable, consistent, unfailing character. That's what it talks about. You know, one, one who sticks with you and is not swayed by an adverse situation. You know, Paul, what? what there's a riot against you? Oops, sorry, dude. That's where, I, that's where I part ways, you know. That isn't what he did. He stepped up and he was involved. He was there, even though it was an adverse situation. In fact, because it was an adverse situation, he stepped up even more. You know, this faithful servant, a fellow slave. Some of the translations say a bond servant. That's someone who has chosen, who has chosen to serve another rather than going their own way. They've chosen to serve someone else rather than pursuing their own agenda. They're willing to have their life interrupted and changed. I'm sure Tychicus wasn't planning on going through Macedonia and leaving Ephesus at that time. But he did. Why? Because he was committed there and he wasn't pursuing his own agenda. And Paul trusted Tychicus here to accurately and faithfully relay information about, about him to the Colossians. You know, a, a great example for the Colossians and for us. Be someone who can be trusted with the reputation of someone else. Paul trusted Tychicus to tell, him, to tell them what was going on in his life. Be someone who can be trusted with the reputation of another. You know, someone, someone that I, I know my name and my reputation is safe in their mouth. You know, that, that, that I don't have to worry that they might throw me under the bus. You know, that when, when, when pressure comes or even just to be accepted, that they might do it at my expense. You know, I, I don't have to be concerned that they might make themselves look better at my expense, even 
if others disagree with them. This is the description here. Tychicus wasn't just a brother, a servant, and a slave. He was a dearly loved brother. He was a faithful servant. He was a fellow slave in the Lord. Those connections. A totally trusted, close friend. We need people like this in our lives. We need people like this in our lives, and we need to be people like this in the lives of others. We need to be these types of people. Someone who is so transformed by the grace of God that others can completely trust us with their name, with their reputation, with what we say we're going to do, that they can completely trust us. Verse 8, he says, I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know how we are and so that he may encourage your heart. Tychicus was sent for two main reasons. You have two main reasons here. One was to tell them how Paul was doing. You know, Paul, Paul was in prison when he sent this letter. Prison wasn't a present, pleasant place. You really didn't want to be associated with somebody in prison because you could end up in prison too, you see, and that wouldn't be such a good thing. Uh, and so, you know, that whole connection there, you know, and Paul knew he could trust his reputation with Tychicus as we already looked at. The second reason here is huge so that he may encourage your hearts. We all need encouraging. And also we all need to be encouragers. The word encourage here literally means to call to one side. You know, to call to one side, a coming coming alongside to strengthen, to support, to build up. You know, there's the reason you know, that there is, it's not just somebody who's coming alongside to hang out there. It's somebody who's coming alongside for a purpose, you know, to give you strength, to give you support, you know, to build you up. I really enjoyed hearing Leah play. And um, I know she didn't start out that way. I remember the first concert that we went to for the kids. Uh, Mandy played. Did Mandy play the oboe? Yeah, Mandy started with the oboe, and Peter then played the oboe too. And I remember going going to that first concert at Northwood Middle School. Wa da 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 don ba da don and all the these squeaks and squeals, and it sounds like they're strangling a gaggle of geese, you know, and you know, and and stomping on it. I wasn't sure, you know, sometimes if somebody was pinched in the folding chair and screaming, or if it was an instrument. I just wasn't, you know. Why do you go to those things? Because you want to stand with them. Because you want them to know I'm here. And I'm for you. First T-ball game of Peter's. What a riot. They, (laughs) I don't know how many kids there are, you know, 12, 15. But they're all out there on the field. And they hit the ball. And we all know what happens if you've ever been to one of these. 16 kids go. It's the 15 who are on the field and the one who hit it. And they're all chasing that ball. And they're, all, and they're tackling and they're wrestling and they're fighting for the ball. Why do we go to these things? Because they play baseball so well? No. 
because we want to stand with them. We want to encourage them. We want them to know we care. Here's the picture, you know, that he's given when, he, when he's talking about this. You know, that we encourage, that we come alongside, strengthen them, support them, build them up. It's laid out very clearly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. And build each other up just as you are already doing. This isn't something we do and then finish. This is something we do and we continue to do. We do it and we continue to do it. We continue to do it. Build them up and continue, continue to build them up. You know, build them up just as you're already doing. You're doing it, but keep doing it, he's saying. You're already doing this, but keep doing it. If you want an important ministry for God... You want an important ministry for God? Obey that verse. Encourage one another and build each other up. You want to spur your children on to love and good deeds? You want to motivate your children to love and good deeds? Encourage them and build them up. There will be be plenty of people and other kids tearing them down. I was reminded more than once this week that middle school is a horrible place to be. It just is. You know, you have a kid in middle school, you need to come alongside and encourage them and hold them up and support them and let them know you love them. Because there's a lot of little jerks in that building with them who will tell them how strange they are how stupid they are how ugly they are and the list goes on and on and on you want your kids you want your kids to embrace the Lord to know the Lord and love the Lord then do what this verse says encourage them and build them up. You, you, you have, a, you know, you want a better relationship with your spouse, with your coworker, with your neighbor, then encourage them and build them up. Now, you know, don't lie to them, you know, don't make things up. Look for the good and encourage one another. Build them up with, you know, with your kids, even with each other. Catch them doing good. Instead of always catching them doing something wrong. Didn't I tell you not to touch that? Yeah, you may have. You know, you may have. I'm not saying don't correct them. But I, I, I will tell you, encourage them more than you correct them. Encourage them more than you correct them. You know, don't let the encouraging be, you know, well, you know, gee, you know, for a sweaty person, you sure don't smell much. No, no, that's not encouragement. You know, it's, 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 encourage them. Find the good things. You look for that. Catch them doing something good and let them know. And let them know. You know, Tychicus was sent there that he might encourage their hearts.
He was also traveling with Onesimus. Verse 9 says he, was, he is with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Again, you know, he trusts them. They're going to tell you everything here, and I'm good with that. I'm good with them telling you everything. You know, now, the only other place we hear about Onesimus is in the book of Philemon. Philemon, it says, I appeal to you, well, Paul wrote this, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. I, Paul, as an elderly man, uh, now also a prisoner you know, of, of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. I fathered him while I was in chains. Philemon, Philemon was, he was a man that Paul knew. Onesimus here was Philemon's runaway slave. You know, Onesimus ran away from, uh, from Philemon, and he was a runaway slave, and he, he apparently fled to Rome where he came into a relationship with Christ through the ministry of Paul. That's what he's talking about when he says, you know, that, that uh, I fathered him while I was in chains. Paul was a prisoner. He was, he was instrumental in Onesimus coming to Christ. And then it seems Onesimus, as you read the whole letter of Philemon there, it seems Onesimus served Paul while he was in prison in Rome, uh, you know, and, and through that care, Paul learned about Onesimus being an escaped slave. An escaped slave was not a good position to be in. Now, and he, he heard, you know, that he belonged to Philemon. Paul knew Philemon. And Philemon lived in Colossae, where this letter is written to. So Paul had Tychicus and Onesimus deliver the letter to the church in Colossae, and he also gave Tychicus this letter to Philemon that we have in the Bible, you know, Philemon, you know, asking, asking Philemon to receive Onesimus back now, not as a slave, he says, but as a brother in Christ. He says, you know, you receive him as that brother in Christ. He tells Philemon of his affection for Onesimus and now how helpful Onesimus had been in serving him. You know, and, and to the Colossian church, Paul describes Onesimus as a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. Now, some of them, because, he, you know, because Onesimus, as Philemon's slave, was in Colossae, some of them would have known you know, would have known Onesimus simply as this slave who ran away. You know, the very opposite of how Paul was asking them to think of Onesimus. You know, he, he describes Onesimus a very similar way to how he described Tychicus, but there is one very clear distinction. Now, he describes Tychicus as a free man. Tychicus, who, is a, who was a free man, he describes him as a faithful servant and fellow slave. Here he describes Onesimus, who was a slave, as a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. He didn't call him a slave. He, called, he said, who is one of you? The contrast is really striking. It's really striking, and, and the implication is very profound, and it's very clear. They are to see Tychicus and Onesimus the same way. You know, they're to see them the same way, both as servants of Christ Jesus, first of all, and as equal to each other, and as equal to them. You see, there is no class system in Christ. There, you know, there, there's no classes there. We are all to be his servants, 
whenever, whenever we find ourselves, you know, in our earthly position, uh, you know, that we're all to be one in Christ. Wherever it is we, we are in an earthly position, we're to be one in Christ, fellow slaves, bond servants of Christ Jesus. This is not a new theme for Paul. Uh, he wrote about it elsewhere to the, to the Corinthians. He said, uh, for as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, uh, though many, are one body. Even though we're different, he says there's one body, so also in Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. You know, whether Jew or Greeks wouldn't want to be associated with the Greeks. They didn't, you see. He says, it doesn't matter. Jew or Greek, one body, he says, whether slave or free. Again, they, would, they did not make those associations. The slaves would only associate with the slaves, the free only with the free. He says, but we're one body, not, not slave or free, male or female. It was, there was a huge dichotomy. There was a huge uh, 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 separation there. You know, that between male and female in their society. And he says, no, we're, we're, we're one. You know, we are all one in Christ Jesus. There's, you know, we're just made to be, I actually skipped down a verse, which I see, but you don't. It says, you know, whether slave or free, we're all made to drink of the one spirit. And here's the verse where he says we're one in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ like a garment, there is no Jew or Greek, there is no slave or free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ it makes a difference. To the Ephesians he wrote, Serve God with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And masters... Treat your slaves the same way without threatening them because you know that both their master and yours both serving the same one is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. Earlier in Colossians, when we were going through Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, it says here, in Christ, as he's talking about being in Christ, in Christ there is no Gentile or Jew. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised. There is no barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. They didn't like they didn't like the barbarians, the Scythians. You know, uh, there is no slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. You see, when we come into a relationship with Christ Jesus, you know, we might have different gifts, we might have different ministries, you know, and some you know might have different positions. Some might be more well known than others. Some might be more visible than others. But we are all to live, we are all to serve as servants of Christ Jesus. We're all to be there. Now that's going to continue to be clear, you know, as we move through the rest of these verses in the weeks to come. Uh, Paul mentions even more people, some of whom we'll look at and some of whom are only mentioned here. And I won't be able to tell you much other than they're mentioned here. Uh, but today I want you to see one thing you know, that, that I think stands out clearly in these verses, all the way to the end of the book, you know, that we should take to heart. Speak well of one another. Always. Always speak well of one another. When you speak about one another, you know, speak well. Tell others the good things about each other, not what irritates you. 
Not, not always what irritates you. Speak well of one another. Tell stories of the good things that you see in each other. We relate to stories. Tell those stories. As I was telling you some of the stories I heard when I was a kid, some of you, your mind went back to stories you heard as you were a kid. You know, when you tell those stories, tell of the good things that you see in each other. If the person, if the person you're talking about overheard what you were saying about them, may their heart be encouraged and not discouraged and not downtrodden. You know, may the stories you tell about one another bring joy to the heart of Christ Jesus, whom we all serve, whom we all follow. As someone who is being transformed by your relationship to Christ Jesus, speak well of one another. And may those stories you tell, you know, show the love of Christ. And may those stories tell that you are following him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for what is ours in Christ. The relationships you've given us. Even when I look out here, Father, I never would have been in, I, I would have never come to Fort Wayne had it not been for my relationship with you. All of these folks gathered here before me, I would not know them if it weren't for our relationship with you. If it weren't for what it means in following you. Father, I thank you for the gift of the body. I thank you for the gift of one another. I thank you that when we follow you and we walk with you, you take us into relationships and you take us into places, Father, that can bring joy to our hearts that we never would have known had we ignored you, had we not known you. May our words and the stories we tell bring joy to your heart as we follow you. We pray with thanks. In Christ's name.